0: You guys are ready to fight. All right, I have lots of swords. We can have a lot of fun here. Okay, no, um, we're, we're not actually going to have you guys duel it out with steel swords. That might be classified as unsafe um, or unwise, but, but much of life is actually a fight. And I'm not talking about the annoying kid at school that you want to fight because they're a bully. Um, that comes up too. But what the fight that I want to talk about is the fact that the Christian life it's actually a fight. A lot of people are under the illusion of a fairy tale that is not true. And there's this fairy tale that says that Christianity is for the weak. That Christianity is the answer to all of your problems so that you don't have any problems. Therefore, it's the cop-out. Sometimes you know, you're you like, oh, well, you have all these problems. You just need to become a Christian. You just need to follow Jesus. Following Jesus, right answer. But it does not mean, it, it is not a kunumatata. It, and for those of you guys who've never seen Lion King, because I guess that's probably before your time. Um, akuna Matata, it means no worries. What a wonderful phrase. Okay, but I'm not going to sing because that would ruin the night. But th- this, is, this is the point. Christianity does not make everything easy. Christianity is not the easy answer for things. In fact, the Bible tells us that Christianity is the opposite of that. That Christianity isn't just not the easy way. In fact, it's often the harder way. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And it goes and lays out this principle that going to hell is easy, but it's bad. It's like, all right, going the way of destruction is really easy, but that's not the course you want to take. How many of you guys have ever ridden a skateboard of some kind? How many of you have ever gone down a big hill on such item? Yeah, every once in a while, I, I've done it where you're like, all right, you get this bright idea, you're like, all right, this is going to be awesome. And you get out there and then you get going on your on your uh, skateboard or rollerblades. I use a skateboard because they don't have brakes. Um, which can be tragic when you get going down one, and then there's something at the end. And you get down there, yeah, this is awesome! And you like look, and you're like, except there's gravel down there now. Um, or there's something, and you're like, what do I do? And it says that this way to destruction is like that. It's very easy. You get up there, and you just roll. You're like, yeah, roll with it, baby! But when you get to the bottom, it's a brick wall. Weep. <laughs> right. Um, end of ride. But he says that, that, that there, the way to life is uphill. He goes that it is the harder way, but in the end, you find life. The Bible warns us that as Christians, trouble will come. Christianity is not the trouble-free philosophy. He goes in Mark chapter 4, verse 17, it says, but since they have no root, they, at, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Not only does it say that there are problems in this life, and as a Christian, you're going to have to face problems just like everybody else, he says that you're going to have special problems. You get new problems because you're a Christian. What? I thought this was supposed to make life easy. It will make it better and it brings hope on the other side of things, but that doesn't mean it's easier. Do you realize it's easier to mouth off to your parents than it is to obey them sometimes? You don't even have to raise your hand, okay? What comes natural, what comes easy, is normally the wrong thing. What comes... um, But Christianity takes some work, but is awesome. See, in in Matthew chapter 7... Jesus tells a story that I was surprised at. He tells this story and says that, that there's this one guy who hears the word and he does what it says. And there's another guy who hears the word and doesn't do anything with what he heard. And he says, these guys are like someone who went and built their house. The man who heard the word and put it into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. And the guy who heard these words and didn't do anything with them is like the guy who built his house on the sand. I'm like, cool, cool. And the guy with the sand had a storm. But it actually starts with the guy whose house was built on a rocks had a storm. The wind blew, the rains came, and the house stood strong. I'm like, I thought this was supposed to get me out of the storm. And then I looked at the other guy, and it says, and the guy who built his life on the sand, and the storm came, the wind blew, the rain fell, and his house went slap. I was like, hey, it sucks to be you. Because that's not where I want to be. I don't want my house to go splat. I don't want to get splatted underneath everything that's bad. But how come the other guy still had a storm? And as I begin to look at this, I realize that storms in life come to all of us. But we get to decide if we're going to go through it our way or God's way. We get to decide, am I going to live for what's easy or am I going to follow God no matter what? And this... This this idea that Jesus isn't the easy way, he is the only way. And so often it's like, well, well, I wish I want to go the easy way, but this is what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I don't know if you've heard anybody tell you that all religions are the same, that all roads lead to heaven. If you have, it's baloney. You, um, You actually do know better. And if you don't think you know better, you do. Um, If I was to get on a train going to Texas and I wanted to go to Alaska, where am I going to end up? What if I believe with all of my heart that I'm going to Alaska? True, I'm going to Texas. Why? That's where the train's going. And that's the problem a lot of people have. They go, well, but, but I believe with all of my heart. Well, good for you. If you believe the wrong thing, it's not going to make it true. It's going to mean it's going to affect you. If you believe that brownies and chocolate cake are the perfect health food, it doesn't make them health food, it makes you fat. Like, it's just one of those things. If you just sit there eating nothing but chocolate cake and brownies, you will grow, and then you'll probably die, because there's not much nutrition, there's just fat. And so, like, you have to understand that what you believe doesn't change what is if you believe a lie, it's still a lie. And this idea that following God may be hard, but it's still right. And that you may be told a lot of different things. You may hear a lot of different things. You may have people go, well, yeah, but they believe their, what they believe, so it's okay, or, you know what? Um, and they'll tell you stuff that's, they you know, yeah, that's what the Bible says, but does anybody really do that? And they'll say these different things and they'll, They'll come against God's word because God's word challenges them. Because there's a lot of people who just say, you know what? I just want to live my way, and I want to find something to put approval on the way that I want to live. So they'll sit here and they'll say, you know what? This is what I believe as long as I can do what I want. Or they'll look for a religion that will allow them. I heard from a quote from a, a world-famous atheist who admitted that, that evolution is impossible, but he chooses to believe it anyways, because if there is a God, he may have to give an account to a God. He doesn't like that idea, so he chooses to believe what he knows is impossible. Not many people will admit it, but a lot of people do it, because they create something to accept the way that they want to live, and we have to decide, am I God of my life, or is God God of my life? And As I look at this, he says that the Bible tells us that we have an enemy, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. It tells us in 1 Peter to be sober-minded, to be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And a lot of Christians, um, I don't know what you could call them if you'd call them fake, if you'd call them fair-weather Christians, and I would call them not real Christians. Probably the best example, do we have any sports fans? Anybody, like, love a team? We have a real, do we have any real fans? Okay, when I say a real fan, I mean the day after your team gets annihilated, you wear their jersey anyway. Like any, any real fans. Okay. Okay. Now, some of you guys are like, I'm a Lions fan. That happens all the time. Okay, good for you. Uh, love you. But uh, th- this, is, this is something I, I've heard real fans get really upset at what they would call fake fans. They're like, you never voted for them, and now that you're winning, you pretend like you liked them the whole time. They're like, "You're a lying hypocrite," and they get all mad. Have you ever encountered someone like that? They get upset because of fake fans. Okay, and and really in the sports, it doesn't really matter. the The team doesn't care as long as you watch them and pay for tickets or boost their ratings on TV. That's all that they they really are doing, and that's how they make their money. But as I was looking at this this idea that there are so many people who want to Follow something as long as it's easy, as long as it seems to be benefiting them. And I realized that that's what a lot of people who call themselves Christians are doing. They're saying, God, I want to follow you. As long as you're going where I want to go. As long as you walk right where I want, I will follow you. And then God says something hard, like honor your father and mother, or like wait till you're married to have sex, or um, that, that... that he placed authority or that we're supposed to tell the truth or that cheating is wrong. And they're like, wait, wait, wait a second. That's hard. Or that bad company corrupts good character. And you're like, yeah, but I like them. I want to hang out with them. And, and we sit here and all of a sudden it comes this d- dilemma where all of a sudden you have to decide, am I gonna follow what I want or am I gonna follow what God says? Who's God of my life? Is it me or is it God? And this, this idea... Then we have to decide, am I willing to fight or am I just here as long as it's easy? Will I fight for what I believe? Will I fight to follow Jesus? Or will I follow Jesus until he tells me something I don't want to hear? Because so often it's easy for people to confess God at church, to confess God at camp, and then to deny God at school. They're sitting here and they're like, yeah, I'm all about Jesus. And they go to school and, and people are cussing and they just join them. They sit here, and they're like, yeah, I love Jesus, and then they go to school, and and everyone's telling dirty jokes, and they just sit in there, and they they start joining them. They sit here, and they go, yeah, I, I love Jesus, and they get to school, and everyone's just ripping somebody apart, and they just join them, because they're afraid that if they don't, they might turn to them, and there's nothing different in their life than in everybody else's who doesn't have Jesus. Because they want to follow Jesus as long as it's easy, but they're not willing to fight for what they believe. They're not willing to stand up and go, I will follow God no matter what anyone else does. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, I know I have a lot of favorite stories in the Bible, but um, it's some of David's mighty men. And there's one of these guys who sits here and he's with an army and there's another army coming. And as, as he stands there, he gets ready and his army retreats. And there's another army coming at him. And he just stands his ground and says, bring it on. Actually, it doesn't say he said, bring it on. It just says that he stood there and everyone else retreated and he took on the other army and fought until the sword clung to his hand. He fought so long, the muscles in his arm locked up and he couldn't let go of his sword. It says the rest of the soldiers came back to collect the spoil from the dead because he fought an entire army by himself. He just said, it doesn't matter, bring it on. I will not back down, I believe this is where I'll stand, and there ain't nothing you can do about it, I will fight. And begin to look and going, will I fight for will I believe? Will I stand up because Christianity is meant to mark my life and to make my life different? Jesus says this, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. But it means that you try and that you fight to live for him. And I've had people ask me a lot of times, actually, um, can I do... This, something that they know is wrong and still be a Christian? Can I look at pornography and still be a Christian? Can I cheat and still be a Christian? Can I dishonor my parents and still be a Christian? Can I have sex? Can I be gay? Can I be, and they just list off all these different things. Can I do this and still be a Christian? And, I, and I've, I've looked at them and said, okay, it doesn't really matter which one of these things. It's not like you can lie this many times. You can dishonor your parents this many times. You can do this this many times. But if you exceed this number, ain't fail, burn. Okay, no, it's not how it works. Um, But this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can have two masters You either love the one or hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and. And money and sex and self and friends. It doesn't matter what you want to stick is that last word. You cannot serve God and. And so all of a sudden, I've looked at people and said, it doesn't matter what thing you may struggle with. If you are fighting, and occasionally you may even take a hit, doesn't matter. But if you stop fighting, then you've given up, and you've given in to a new master. See, it doesn't matter that you occasionally make mistakes, and you go, oh, I messed up. You know what? My parents said this, and... My response was definitely not what it should have been. I need to apologize. I need to make it right because I'm not living for what I feel like doing. I'm going to live for God. You know what? I said I would never, but you know what? I made a mistake. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do things right. But when you say, okay, that's it. I'm just going to live like this. What you're saying is, God, I don't care what you want. This is what's more important to me because that's what I'm living for. And God, it doesn't matter that I call myself a Christian. It doesn't matter how much I go to church. If I'm living for someone other than you, I am not a follower of Jesus. I can name myself anything I want to name myself, but if I'm not following you, I am not a follower, a believer, right with God, ready for God. It's not that you can't make mistakes, but... You have to decide who you're living for. In, in Revelation, he sits here and he says this in three, chapter three, verse one, it says, I know your works, you have the reputation for being alive, but you are dead. It's not that you can make somebody else proud of you. So you're living for God. Because there's a lot of people who are putting on a show and here at church, they look awesome. But do you realize that in the end that you're not gonna stand in front of Pastor Daniel to give an account for your life? It's not like Pastor Daniels, do I get to go to heaven? It's not like I'm going to go look and go, you know what? I saw you in church this many times, therefore you get to go. That's not how it works. I am not God, and I'm grateful for that. But we're going to stand in front of God, and we get to go, God. And He's not going to sit here and go, your church attendance, ooh, do you realize you are really close to the minimum quota? I don't know. You know, that one service, I'm not sure if I should count it because you slept through the whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> like, that's not how it works. He sits here and goes, Did you put your faith in Jesus and did you make him the Lord of your life? The Lord is the master. Not your get out of hell free card when I die, but did you make Jesus the master of your life? He says to some, He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you don't know what you are. And you're a lot of things, but you're not following me. And I begin to look at this, and this, this, this mindset of going, are we asking the question, how much can I get away with, or how much can I follow God? But because if you're asking, how far from God can I live, you'll find that you'll live your life without him. If you're asking the question, how close to God can I live, I promise you that you'll make mistakes. But you're going to grow closer and closer to him as you go. There's, there's a lot of parables that Jesus tells about when he returns. I'm not going to go through them all, but I'm going to reference a couple of them. Uh, I was reading them the other day, and there was something that shocked me. As a kid, I read them, and I realized that there were some people who got to go to heaven. There were some people that went to hell. I caught that in the parables as a little kid. But it wasn't until recently that I realized in most of the parables, some of the people who went to hell were surprised. He sits here and he tells the one parable about, about 10 bridesmaids. And as I was reading it the other day, I was like, wait a second. Do you realize that he doesn't tell the story about those that weren't waiting? He tells the story about 10 who started waiting, and half of them weren't ready when he returned. I go, well, if the people who were waiting for his return indicated believers, he didn't even wasn't even talking about people who never placed their faith in him. He started this parable with 10 people were waiting for God, and five of them grew cold and said he isn't returning and weren't ready when he came back. And then I went and looked at another one, and he talks about a servant who the master put in charge. And while the master was gone, the servant said, you know what? My master is delayed in coming. I'm going to begin to live for myself and do whatever I want. Since so he began to eat, he began to get drunk, he began to beat and mistreat the other servants. And then the master reappeared and was not happy with him. And as I went through all these parables, I'm like, wait a second. There's something in common. That there, that there's a lot of people who are start out waiting. And Jesus says it this way. He says that the love, because of the lawlessness, will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. And I and I as I heard this, I thought of a group, thought of a story that I heard about some Indians in particular tribe and in particular group inside the tribe called the Dog Warriors. Anyone ever heard the dog warriors? Two people. Whoa, yeah. A couple of them are like, I've been in your ministry for 10 years. I heard this five years ago. Okay, yeah. Um, Pastor Tim. Okay, so the dog warriors, they were some of the bravest, some of the toughest um, that there were. And what they were famous for was retreat was not an option. When they got into a battle, especially if they were going to get into a battle where... um, People needed to get away, or like they were going to protect their village. Some of these guys, the elite, they would say, I will defend you to my last breath. And they would take a stake, they would tie themselves to the stake, and they would put the stake in the ground. And they would go, live or die, here I fight. I'm chained to this thing, and I don't care what they come at me with. I don't care if it's one man, I don't care if it's an army, I don't care if they come on a horse, I don't care if they come in a wagon, I don't care if they come on foot, I don't care if they come in a wave, I don't care what they roll at me, I will fight. I will not back down, I will will fight to my last breath and there's nothing you can do that can change that. And I begin to look at this and go, you know what? This is the kind of Christian that I want to be. I want to put a stake in the ground and say, you know what? I will follow Jesus. And if it's easy, I will follow Jesus. If it's hard, I will follow Jesus. If I like what's going on, I will follow Jesus. If I don't like it, I will follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what you say or what anyone else does, I will follow Jesus. How about you? do you have a stake in the ground or do you follow him as long as he goes where you want to go? Because that's not following. And as I was writing this, I realized that there's a lot of people who sit here and go, you know what? I need today to decide to put a stake in the ground. And there are others who say, you know what? I wasn't even pretending to follow Jesus. (laughs) I need to start. I came to church because my mom dragged me, my friend dragged me. My friend told me there was going to be a game, so here I am. He said there was some kind of war, tribal war. Okay, we'll get to that. But this is important. If you see, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. Not I want to get out of hell free card, but I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I want the forgiveness that Jesus offers. Yes, I want to know that I'm going to heaven, but I want to follow Jesus, to make him the Lord of my life. I'm ready to enter this fight. No matter what it costs, I want to follow Jesus. If you have not done that, I want to give you a chance. Can everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? And if that's you, say, you know what, today, I want to decide to follow Jesus. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to call on God's name just like he said. Get ready. One. This is the most important decision you're ever going to make. Two. Three. Raise up your hands. Nice and nice. That's me. Awesome. I see your hand. Who else says that's me? see your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand. Who else says that's me? I want to follow Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Another hand back here. Awesome. All right, we're going to do something very simple. The Bible says, another one back here, whoever calls on his name will be saved. So we're going to call on his name. We're going to say a simple prayer, and if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. If you didn't, but you say, you know, you know, you already done that? Then go ahead and join us as we call on God's name, as we declare him to be the Lord of our life. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the lord of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Awesome. Give them a